As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome, everybody, to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and I am still the host for this week. But if it doesn't go well, Graham Ruffin is waiting in the wings to take over, see out the rest of the podcast season. Graham, are you ready to take on the role of interim podcast manager? <laughs> Hello, Taylor Rockwell. Yeah, I am uh, I am ready to take on that role. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about interim managers today because I can sympathize with people in the position because basically every line of work I have ever had in my life has come from some form of interim position and then they they just don't know how to get rid of me so I am the goose heading of the blogging and podcasting world I think. I think that just means you're good at it or they're very apathetic but more likely is that you're very good at what you do and we will talk about very good interim managers we'll also talk about the opposite of that but first we should define what we're talking about Graham for those unfamiliar with the idea uh, what is an interim manager? Yeah, so an interim manager, as the name suggests, is is a manager who is only uh, in place on a temporary basis. It's not their job permanently. The club or national team or whatever is still looking for the person they want in charge in in, in the long term. So an interim manager is a a stopgap solution. Yeah, and you're usually going to have that when obviously a manager has been sacked uh, mid-season usually, and you don't have the replacement lined up right away. But you might also get it if a manager departs for either uh, another club gig or maybe an international gig, and you need to sort of find somebody, not necessarily on the fly, but as you said, you want that time to make sure you get the appointment right. So you bring in somebody who has familiarity with the club in one way or another. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And that's one of the, the categories that I've got down as a reason why a team might opt for an interim manager, essentially just planning for the future. They don't know what direction they want to, to head in. They don't want to rush into anything. So um, maybe they're waiting for a manager as, as, as well. I think that's another category as someone is already in mm-hmm. a position and they're not available until usually the end of the season, until their contract ends. Um, sometimes... A club will just take their hands off the wheel and think, screw it, let's just have a bit of fun until the end of the season with an interim manager. Chelsea did this last season with Frank Lampard. They basically wrote off the season and thought, who could we get in to pick up the fans a little bit? Um, and they went for Frank Lampard, which really worked out well for the, yeah. for, for them. Um, famous misery guts, Frank Lampard, who did not improve <laughs> the situation at all. In fact, things got worse with Frank Lampard in charge. 
But you understand the idea behind it, and Graham, that's maybe we'll we'll go with this one. Is if we're talking about different kinds of interim managers, let's start with the former player or the play the person who has a strong connection to the club. The idea with somebody like Frank Lampard is you bring them in, and they're not going to get the permanent job. Maybe if things go perfectly they will but the likely scenario is you bring them in the fans aren't going to be too mad at them because they're a club legend because they're a fan favorite and it buys you just a little bit of a a grace period a little bit of goodwill so you can figure things out and you've got this person in hey it's fun to see frank lampard or oleg under solskjaer in there and everybody will be okay with it until the end of the season and then we'll figure out the permanent appointment Unless you're Manchester United and you make that interim manager permanent, <laughs> and then we see how that goes. But that would definitely be one category for me is the former player who is not really connected yeah. to the most recent coaching regime. But you can get uh, assistance promoted, which is always interesting to me, Graham, when you have an assistant move into the interim position. Yeah, so just going back to the former player um, quickly, of all the interim managers that we're going to name here, that to me feels like the most desperate one. It's the most desperate move because... It is an appointment made on the basis of emotion. And often this happens at a, cl- at a, a club mm-hmm. that's in a mess. Maybe the fans have turned against the ownership. And it's and it's a bit cynical to get those fans back on side. You, you mentioned, Taylor, that is a, a primary motivation to get the fans back on side. But it's not, it's not a, a, an appointment usually made with anything that's happening on the field in mind. It's entirely emotional. And so I think I associate that most of all with desperation. Um, You have the academy coach and the assistant manager um, route as well. I think this is basically when a manager gets cleared out and the club just takes that manager's whistle. They've just fired this manager. They take their whistle and their tactics board and they just move it down the line and they they, they hand it to the next person in line. Um, Sometimes can be a bit confusing because... The assistant manager will often be very aligned with the manager yeah. that's just been sacked. So I often don't really see the point because they won't necessarily make a lot of wholesale changes, and um, which then begs the question: Why have they sacked the the first manager in the first okay. place? Where it gets interesting, though, is when the interim uh, the assistant manager gets the interim job and they have wildly different ideas, and that is very revealing in the odd case and instance that that happens because it shows they didn't agree with what was happening all along and they had their their own ideas so an, an assistant manager can sometimes be the most boring choice in other cases can be the most interesting choice so graham if we're going with the desperation ranking for interim managers which i like that you've established i think i would put assistant manager as a higher level of desperation than former player okay because former player you're sort of being like look this season hasn't gone the way we wanted. We know we're not going to write the ship immediately. So we're going to bring in somebody that will make everybody happy. And we promise we'll figure it out. Assistant manager to me has more of a vibe of like, we hate this guy. We do not want him coaching the team anymore. We will take anybody, including the person who he employed as his number two. That's fine. As long as this guy is no longer in charge. Yeah. It's also a bit like we have no plan. Exactly. The assistant manager. Exactly. The former player might be a bad plan, but it is a plan of sorts. The assistant manager, is there is nothing going on in the front office or behind the scenes uh, after this sacking where would you put like academy coach in 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 this list then i'm assuming we would put them above either of these because that has a vibe of they connect more to like the the theological like theoretical roots of the team or the idea that the concept that the club is meant to epitomize uh and so you're bringing them in to sort of reestablish the the dna of the team or something along those lines yeah, I think it really depends on the club. So if it's a club with a strong youth academy and maybe mm-hmm. wants to re-establish the, the link between the first team and the youth academy, then 
you could you could argue there might be some like medium to long term benefit of of bringing in the academy coach. The idea there, of course, being that some more youngsters are going to be given some opportunity. Maybe you find a couple of first team players through through that mm-hmm. process. Um, but there are other times where that is not the case for a club, and it really feels like they are they are scrambling just to find anyone to take the job. So I think it depends on the on the individual case. So if you haven't gone for former player, assistant manager, or a coach already in sort of your youth ranks, where else might you look, Graham? So I've got two more categorizations of interim managers. Um, I've got the clean slate candidate, as I am calling this person. So this isn't as common, but basically it's an outsider whose job is to come in and recalibrate things. I am thinking of, you can maybe guess where I'm going with this one. I am thinking of... I'm not a big Sam. No. I'm not sure he's recalibrated anything other than his takeaway <laughs> Indian order. Um, I am thinking of Ralph Ranick ah. with this one. He was meant to come in and offer his thoughts and put in place a little bit of groundwork for the next guy and then, of course, move into a more senior position. I also think of um, Gus Hiddink at Chelsea yeah. as, as this manager because I did a little bit of um, research on how things went for Hiddink. He was brought in to put in a lot of the groundwork for the next person. He was Chelsea interim manager twice, right? First time, he is followed by Carlo Ancelotti, who is very successful at Chelsea, wins the Premier League title. The next time, the guy that follows him is Antonio Conte, also very successful at Chelsea. So that actually worked out really well for, for Chelsea to get uh, Goose Hiddink in and, and, and kind of lay the groundwork. Not so well for Manchester United with Ralph Ranić, who seemed to be marginalised and pushed to the side after like a month in that job, and the Glazers just stopped uh, listening to him. I also think Ralph Ranić kind of verges onto my second, fi- uh, my, 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 my final category, which is the authoritarian, whose role is to basically come in and shout at people. This is for when a dressing room has got out of control and they need to be whipped in to, to, to shape again. And of course, they're the interim manager. They're not going to be sticking around for long. So they, they don't really need to bother about um, like keeping players on side or hurting fe- feelings. They are just there to crack the whip for a period. Can you think of an example of that or maybe more specifically an example of that working? Because I, I struggle to think of an interim manager who could come in and crack the whip when they are, by definition, interim. I feel like that locker room might be like, yeah, but also you're not going to be here next season, so we don't care what you say. So I, I'm i thinking of someone like Roy Keane. Yeah. Um, he wasn't an interim manager, but I, I was trying to just very quickly Google the way he was appointed at Ipswich felt like he was brought in on a on a kind of like temporary yeah. contract. Uh, and you'll get that, well, staying- well, you look that up, because you will get that where you'll get somebody brought in for like, the next three months or the next four games. And then maybe there'll be a carrot dangled at the end of that of if it goes well, though, and if you turn things around and get four wins from four, then we might be considering making this job permanent. But it, I, I think that doesn't often end up being the case yeah. because usually if you're bringing in an interim manager, things have not gone well and it's tough to turn that around. The best example that I can think of off the top of my head and a recent example is, is Big Sam at Leeds United mm-hmm. last season. That was a terrible tactical and stylistic fit. He was essentially brought in to shout at people and try and be like the man motivator in that dressing room. Of course, it did not work. They went down. They got relegated Leeds United. I think um, he had a similar role at Crystal Palace. Uh, or was it maybe West Brom? He's done this a few times, Big Sam, and not, not many of them recently have, have paid off. His reputation is uh, is vanishing quickly. So... It begs the question then, because it feels like with all of these, there is an air of desperation. There is 
the idea that fundamentally the person we hired to be the permanent manager has not worked out for one reason or the other. We've sacked them. We're bringing in this person. Is it is it ever a good idea, Graham? Do you feel like is it always better to sort of sack somebody and have the successor lined up or or even just to be like, we're going to be not coached for a game? I think that's what a lot of interim <laughs> managers end up being is sort of like you're getting one game while we bring in the permanent appointment. But I do wonder if there are times when interim managers maybe don't need to be a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here. I, th- I think it, whether it's a good idea or not depends mm-hmm. on what comes after it. I know that's a rubbish answer because it depends on retrospect and, and hindsight to make a judgment. But I think if it results in a team using that time to come up with a strategy and find a manager that fits that strategy, a mm-hmm. permanent manager that fits that strategy, then you'd have to say it can be a good idea to, hi- to hire an interim boss. I mentioned Hiddink at, at, at Chelsea that seems like that kind of worked for Chelsea to get him in. If you don't use that time wisely, then I think it's a very bad idea. It can just be kicking the can down the road. So I think of Spurs having Ryan Mason as interim manager and then in that summer hiring Nuno Espirito Santo when they could have just hired Nuno when Mourinho was sacked in March or April or whenever that was. Um, So it it really does depend on how the club uses that time. Yeah. So then maybe a better way to frame it is... It can be a sign of a poorly run club, but can also be a sign of an effectively run club. Because if you have, uh, like, let's say things have been too tense, too stressful, too harsh. Jose Mourinho at Manchester United, the vibe is bad. Things seem toxic. J- just you've got to you've got to cut cut ties with him, and then you've got to bring in somebody who just brings an air, like a fresh air to them. I can see that being a good idea in that you kind of rejuvenate the squad, you make people happy. But then with Manchester United, there's not really a, a a plan to it more than that. And I think there are clubs where you can have – I mean, if we continue with Jose Mourinho for a second, I believe he is why uh, Gus Hiddink is brought in. In, in the first place is, is one of the times Jose Mourinho leaves Chelsea. They bring in Gus Hiddink, and he does have the sort of more – cheerful more avuncular personality by all accounts is more friendly with the squad has better relationships and is able to sort of repair things and i think they end up winning the fa cup when he is the interim manager at chelsea i think they wanted to make him permanent but russia i think weren't going to let him out of his deal um but that feels like where a team can identify we need someone to come in and correct these behavioral issues. And if it is sort of then setting them up for more success long term, I think that can be a sign of a club with a plan versus yeah. a club that's just trying to correct past mistakes, basically. What I will say is poorly run clubs hire more interim managers yeah. than well run clubs. So I think generally most clubs should have some form of contingency plan. So I would expect that Manchester City will have a contingency plan for if Pep were to unexpectedly resign or, or, or leave or whatever, um, I think they will have given that some thought as to how they would react to that because Manchester City are a well-run club and they tend to do that thing in the transfer market. I would imagine it extends to the managerial market as well. Um, I guess an interim manager could be part of a plan, but more often than not, it's a sign that a team doesn't really know what to do yeah. next is how I would sum that up, I think. Yeah, and I feel like that can be exemplified by when you get you'll get these on occasion where you'll have the same interim manager sort of appointed with each sacking. Like, oh, he's back in charge for two games. Like, so you'll you'll see that occasionally when you look at like the list of managers of a club has had, they'll have had like one manager six times, but he only managed a total of like nine games. That's usually because he is just their ever present interim manager uh, when the yeah. situation requires it. 
I'm trying to check. So Voro, um, that's the one Spanish I was trying to fans Thank you. will Thank you. remember Voro, who is Valencia's uh-huh. uh, speed dial into a manager. And I'm trying to check how many times he's been in charge. So excuse me while I count up here: one, two, three, four, five. He's had six different inter manager spells in charge of Valencia. Yeah, Valencia, not a well-run club. You'll be surprised. No, to learn. like so. Okay, so Graham, let, let's. Forgive me if we've already done this sort of, but let's lay it out. Like, what would be a successful interim manager then? If you are going to appoint one, because I do think it's an inherently depressing thing. It's an immediate sign of this person wasn't working. We're not sure what we're going to do. We're bringing in this person because we got to have somebody in charge. I I think it is sort of a thankless task because the interim manager coming in feels more often than not, they're not actually going to get a shot at the job. So maybe it's an audition for a gig down the road if they do well. But it feels to me like it is sort of you're waiting on the next move. It's a hurry up and wait situation. Yeah. I struggle to think of of scenarios in which it is fully a positive thing from start to finish. Well, the dream is that the interim manager is just the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's a simplistic answer, but it does happen from time to time. Most notably recently, Zinedine Zidane was an interim one. manager at, at Real Madrid, gets the job permanently, and then just wins the Champions League every season for like five years. So you would say that worked out well for Real Madrid, stating the obvious there. But that is, Real Madrid are avoiding, with Zidane, they avoided one of the biggest pitfall, pitfalls with appointing an interim manager. And that is the risk that the new manager bounce is so strong that they have no choice to, but to give them the job permanently. And then that interim manager, whatever they had in the interim period, wears off a little bit after a while and they're not the guy anymore. So... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was this person. I, I defend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to a certain point, um, but I don't think I could argue after his interim manager spell that he should have been given the job permanently. He had a very good new manager bounce. I think Manchester United end that season really poorly. They end up with like yep. a number of straight defeats. So they, they appoint him after knocking out PSG, I think, mm-hmm. in the Champions it's, League. It's the Gary Neville post-match interview where he's like, just name the amount you want for the contract. Yes, I remember like, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the clamour at that point is irresistible. Manchester United give him the job before the end of the season. They, In hindsight, they should have waited till the end of the season. And at the end of the season, they might not have given them the job. But anyway, yeah. they backed themselves into a corner. In Scotland, I know you're going to be Wait, right Graham, on top of this example. Forgive me. Are you, are, are you indicating that Manchester United is not a well-run and efficient club? I uh, I don't let, know. Let, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, hold on. Let me just check my working here for two minutes. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly really, what, I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah. Really not loving that you could make... Like three or four different negative inner manager arguments about that specific club. My club. Hooray. Wait, well run, Manchester United. Good stuff, guys. Uh, let's go to Scotland, Graham. Yeah, I mean, this is a common theme on Total Soccer Show Productions, yep. Taylor, like yep. the listener questions that we've just Love done it. with bad mm-hmm. takes. A lot yep. of them are related to Manchester United. Yep. It did not pan out the way that we thought they would. Um, I know you're, you've got your finger in the pulse of Scottish football, Taylor, but mm-hmm. in Scotland, we've, there's a really good of example of what I'm talking about here recently. Aberdeen have just sacked Barry Robson. He was inter- inter-manager last season. He did amazingly well last season, took them to third place, and then he was hired permanently. That was a bad idea because Aberdeen have been absolutely terrible this season. So I think to answer your question, I've gone the long way around to answer this question, but I think you almost you want an interim manager to come in to steady things, to maybe cleanse the culture a little bit, to make the dressing room a, a happier place, but maybe not to do too well mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, when once you get to the summer or whenever it is, you can make a permanent appointment. You are in a better position from when the interim manager came in but you still have a, a more holistic, coherent plan that you can use from that point on. Yeah. Uh, 
two more examples for me. One, I think, decidedly negative. One, slightly more positive. Uh, the first uh, would be Real Madrid. They sack uh, Julian uh, Lopetegui. Uh, after a poor start to the season, they appoint Santiago Solari as their interim manager. I forgot but, about him. But the Spanish rules are that you can't have an interim manager in charge for longer than 14 days. And so, with no clear plan in place and unsure of what to do, they gave Solari the permanent gig. And then he was subsequently sacked and replaced by Zinedine Zidane. So I think that would be a very good example where a, a team does not know what they're going to do, does not really have a plan in place. And so they just... I guess, are forced into sticking with the situation as it was, and that doesn't really work out either. The more positive one I can think of would be Hansi Flick taking over from Niko Kovac in November of 2019. Uh, he's given the permanent gig in April of 2020. He guides Bayern to a treble. And right there, he would probably be considered the most successful interim manager of all time. He becomes a permanent manager. He wins the treble. But I also think it, it still goes back to what we talked about, that Bayern are in a state of chaos when they, when they sack Niko Kovac because you have half the board saying he was the guy, half the board saying he wasn't. And then when he's sacked, now you get that, that the sort of infighting and the chaos that follows. And Hansi Flick, I think, is sort of a, we need somebody in charge while we all bicker with each other. And then he strings results together that give him the permanent gig. But by all accounts, he doesn't really have the backing. He doesn't really have the, the freedom to operate the way he wants and is still in some ways treated as though he's an inner, an inner manager by some of the board, by some of the, the decision makers. And he ends up being really frustrated by the way things play out. So I think it can be hard to escape that tag even if you are wildly successful, I still think he is probably one of the more successful yeah. ones. And you do have other managers along the way winning the Champions League. I think Chelsea have had, what, two interim managers win the Champions League and almost Avram Grant making it a third. Maybe it's just the one with Avram Grant almost winning it as well. I think it's Avram Grant making the, the final, of course, where they're beating my uh, Manchester United, and then Roberto Di Matteo yeah. wins it um, as interim manager against uh, Bayern Munich. It would have been Tuchel who won and it then... the, the second time. He was a permanent manager. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's just the just the one interim manager that's won it and, and won appearance in the final. And then Gus Hedink wins the FA Cup. Did Rafa Benitez win he anything? He won the Europa League, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So Chelsea <laughs> should just only have interim managers is what we're learning from this conversation. Uh, Graham, more recently, we uh, at time of recording, we're recording this on Valentine's Day in 2024. So happy Valentine's Day to you all. Uh, I would say Daniela De Rossi is a player that we, a person we've talked about, former player for Roma. He kind of fits the former player club legend mold, but also feels like a person who, if they string some results together, will get that gig permanently. And that could go well. It could also go very poorly. Uh, I turned it to you for your thoughts on Daniela De Rossi. Yeah, I think De Rossi ticks a number of boxes, to be honest, because he is a former player, but he's also a, a bit of a clean slate candidate, a bit of an yep. outsider, hasn't been at Roma for a long time. He was at Spal in a, in a managerial position, which didn't go well for him. And he's also following Jose Mourinho, um, who, by the way, he must his managerial career must have more interim managers following him than any other manager in history I mean I'm, I'm just pulling that off the top of my head but Chelsea had Gus Hiddink as you mentioned Ryan Mason comes after him at, at, at Tottenham Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes after him at Manchester United Daniele De Rossi comes after him at Roma like this is a thing this is a trend for Jose Mourinho at this point he has two from Chelsea because he leaves mid-season twice and I think he also from Grant I can't there it is and I can't remember if how he left things with Madrid is Inter the only one he's parted well with 
Porto, Porto ah, yes, enter, of course, of course. and I think he sees out a season at Real Madrid. Okay, um, so maybe there wasn't an interim manager after. I him. take your point. But yeah, <laughs> he's had a lot of interim managers after him. The, anyway, where I was going with that was uh, De Rossi is also someone who's coming into that dressing room, and from what we've read about how Jose Mourinho left that team, which wasn't actually apparent at the time of his firing, but we've read reports since then about some of the messages that he's left to the Roma players and him blaming the Roma players. So it seems like that environment wasn't a particularly healthy one. So De Rossi's come in to kind of clear the smoke a little bit, sort of like Solskjaer yeah. was hired to, hired to do at Manchester United. So he, he ticks a number of boxes. He really does. I'm, I'm not really convinced by him that he is the, the, the right man in the long term for, for Roma. I think the ideal scenario for them is they improve and they steady a little bit and the club's a happier place, but then they go and get their, their kind of long-term candidate in, in, in the summer. And what about uh, Amar Sfai, the, uh, the Ivory Coast manager appointed mid-tournament when all seems lost, when it seems like they are going to be knocked out of the group stage, then they sneak through as the worst third-place team that can still make it through, and then they win the whole tournament. Is he the best interim manager ever, Graham? Oh, I think he set the standard for all interim managers to, to come. I can't remember a manager ever coming in midway through a, a tournament, yep. certainly not in, in uh, international football, of course, leading Ivory Coast all the way to, to AFCON glory as the host nation as well, an, an incredible story. Um, I, I kind of wonder what happens after this tournament, though, for, for Ivory Coast. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Clearly he had some form of, of influence on this on this team, a positive influence. Whenever I saw him in press conferences or on the side of the pitch, he he didn't come across as a natural manager, is how mm. how, I'd, how I'd word it. Which is understandable, because he's never been a manager before. It's not as if he'd been managing somewhere else. He had never been a manager before taking this job. So maybe that's something that he will learn in time. But um, I am... I am curious as to how this story pans out for, for for Ivory Coast. Of course, the other thing about that appointment is, like two weeks ago, the Ivorian Federation wanted Herr Renard. Yeah. Like, they wanted someone completely different a fortnight ago to come in and do that job. So I do wonder if between the Federation and Faye uh, Faye there might be some trust issues there. Yeah, I have a feeling he's one who we say he is the most successful because at time of recording, things are going well. I have a feeling as soon as the run of form plateaus, uh, he is going to be out and they're going to bring in somebody. Maybe it's our favorite Renard. Maybe it's another uh, bigger name. Uh, but Grammy, if that happens, we'll look at their next interim manager. Any other thoughts on interim managers before we uh, conclude this episode? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground, all of which was to say interim managers can be fun, oftentimes not a good sign, and oftentimes don't end up doing that much or doing enough things well to make it a permanent thing. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair summary. They are more often than not chaotic, mm-hmm. and as someone without a horse in the race, at least at the elite yeah. level of, of football, there we go. I'm all for chaos. So I say, bring on the interim managers. We need more of them in football. <laughs> Graham always rooting for chaos. Thank you for that, Mr. Ruthven. Uh, I very much appreciate your contributions today. Thank you, Taylor Rockwell. Uh, thank you to our listeners who will never be interim listeners in my heart. Uh, I think that makes sense. Uh, thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. 